0: The Lincoln Memorial was originally dedicated on May 30, 1922, 57 years after President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated at the end of the Civil War. More than 50,000 people crowded the grounds for the dedication ceremonies, including elected officials and the diplomatic corps. Among the dignitaries were U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice and former President William Howard Taft, President Warren G. Harding and Robert Todd Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln's only surviving son. President Harding, in a speech broadcast on Nationwide Radio, told the audience, This memorial is less for Abraham Lincoln than those of us today, and for those who follow after.
1: Hello, and welcome to the C-SPAN in the Classroom podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my colleague Pam and our special guest for this episode, Jennifer Epstein, education specialist for the National Mall and Memorial Parks here in Washington, D.C. As stated in the opening clip, which features archival video of the dedication ceremony, May 30, 2022 marks the 100th anniversary of the dedication of the Lincoln Memorial. Now known as Memorial Day, the dedication of the memorial took place on the aptly named Dedication Day in front of a crowd of 50,000 people. With another two million listening in via radio, President Warren G. Harding, former President and Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, William Howard Taft, and Dr. Robert Russa Moton, principal of the Tuskegee Institute, spoke at the ceremony. However, according to the National Park Service, Dr. Moton addressed a segregated audience that day, a symbol not only of how far the nation had come, but how much work remained. So here we are 100 years later. Borrowing from President Warren G. Harding on that day, quote, this memorial is less for Abraham Lincoln than those of us today and for those who follow after. Join us as we explore the history of the memorial and share C-SPAN resources featuring the history, events, and legacy of the Lincoln Memorial.
2: Thank you for joining us today for a conversation on the 100th anniversary of the dedication of the Lincoln Memorial. With us in the studio today is Jennifer Epstein, Education Specialist for the National Mall and Memorial Parks. Thanks for being with us here today, Jen.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: So in thinking about your, your role and the day-to-day you know, responsibilities, can you describe what you do with
3: the National Park Service? Sure. Uh, my job is as an education specialist, is mainly working with students and teachers. So I'm out in the park a lot, as I was today, um, with students, field trips, all that kind of thing, going to all the different memorials. So the National Mall encompasses what we call our icon sites, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt, Martin Luther King, World War II, Vietnam, Korea. We have Eisenhower now, we have lots of sites that we cover. And so it's it's engaging with students and teachers and connecting young people, especially from this city and around the country to these places. We are definitely excited to have
1: you with us today, Jen. And in preparing for this episode, we went back into our video library and found a program that offers a virtual tour of many of those key locations around Washington, D.C. that you just mentioned, including the Lincoln Memorial, Let's take a listen to the student narrators talk about this memorial in the following clip.
3: One of the most visited is the Lincoln Memorial, which looks like a Greek temple and has a statue of President Abraham Lincoln that's 19 feet tall. You can see an image of it on the back of a penny or a $5 bill. Over the years, the Lincoln Memorial has been a symbolic spot, for civil rights protests and marches. You can even stand in the exact spot one of the most famous speeches in U.S. history was given during the 1963 March on Washington.
4: I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
1: In the clip, the students mentioned some of the features of the memorial as well as significant events that have taken place there. And in fact, I remember that we met Jen a few years ago at a teacher fellowship with another institution here in town. And you gave us a nighttime tour of the major sites on the mall, which was just a fantastic experience. So while I know some about your ranger background, having served uh, at the Lincoln Memorial in in previous years, can you share a little bit um, more specific experience about exactly what you did at Lincoln Memorial, some of your, your favorite parts of being a ranger on the National Mall?
3: Yeah, well, I look back at my own story, and I was um, greatly influenced. Um, the career I'm in now is because of my fifth grade teacher, who got me all excited about history. Um, and I've been very fortunate to keep up with her. I'm sure we'll send her the link to this podcast, which Absolutely. I shouldn't have just said. But, um <laughs> Uh, she's been a a great uh, force in my life and after fifth grade I knew that this was something I wanted to do was to be involved in history and to be at a place where history was happening or had happened and to be able to share that with other people I mean I get to be in these places and expose young people and hopefully get them as excited as I was and that's kind of like if I can be what my teacher was for me For that next generation that's really exciting and that's what motivates me so we've done a lot of things Um, you know we do a lot with the Lincoln Memorial Um, we do a lot because it's one of the few places where something actually happened so Dr. King and the March on Washington the Marian Anderson concert these things all happened at that spot so while we um, examine President Lincoln's legacy we also get to um, sometimes reenact in a way these these events um, Y'all know one of my proudest moments was celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Marian Anderson concert um, and being able to see young people use Dr. King's words and stand in the spot where he stood. I mean, I've seen it many times and I get teary eyed every time just because that's such a, a legacy. And we had a we had a parent today talking about how he just saw his child perform on the steps at Lincoln, and he was crying, and he had to explain to his his wow. child why it was he was crying because his kid just spoke at the Lincoln, and it's really but, uh, I'm very impactful. lucky to Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Well,
1: and I I actually have a follow up question um to to, to what you said, which we'll talk about the uh, uh, Marion Anderson concert later oh, in this episode too, <laughs> um but. I had just had the opportunity to attend a very fascinating program on the National Mall at the Sylvan Theater uh, right in the shadow of, of the Washington Monument. And it was about uh, pop culture, which we'll also mm-hmm. get to later in this episode, pop culture and the Lincoln Memorial. Sure. And there's a story I heard about um, that the Lincoln Memorial had been hit by friendly fire during World War II, an anti-aircraft gun that was mounted on the 14th Street Bridge. Um, and part of this other lecture, we also talked about the caves underneath the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, I know that you mentioned that I think you had been up on the up in the top of the Lincoln Memorial, looking out.
3: I have so, never been oh, up on the top. Okay. one of these days, maybe. No, I have been in the basement, but I'm done. Oh, I it. sense a field trip coming on. Yeah. Our education <laughs> team
1: with you. Well, well, with all that being said, I know you mentioned the the spot, the the plaque where Dr. King gave his speech. Mm-hmm. What would you say maybe is that might be your favorite space, but is there a favorite space in the Lincoln Memorial area um, that that you just gravitated towards?
3: So that is very neat, and I've done some fun things. I've had school groups um, come there, and I always make a big deal when I'm talking to students, whether in person or even virtually, since we've done a lot of, the, of that virtualness over the last few years. Um, but about putting your feet right where Dr. King stood or where Miss Marion stood, um, and so I have a, I've seen a couple groups have one student. And, or each student put one foot around the inscription of the I have a, I have a dream thing and take their picture <laughs> and it's really cute to see just all these feet around the inscription on the spot on the step if you ask me though my favorite spot I think it's actually around back and I don't know that everyone knows to go there but if you um, not not behind the statue but if you are walking up the steps you can go around behind the the memorial and you look out over Virginia and the Potomac and you see Arlington cemetery and a big theme we'll talk about, I'm sure, is this idea of reunion and how the Lincoln Memorial was to to represent reunion. And as you're on the backside, you're looking out at the Memorial Bridge, which was built to connect DC and Virginia again, but you're also looking out at Robert E. Lee's house. And I know this is a podcast, but I'm talking with my hands, which is making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, up on the hill, you see Robert E. Lee's house, yeah. and there's the person that the army was fighting, Lincoln was fighting against. And it's just this kind of crazy spot where this all kind of converges. And I think that since so many people go visit the Lincoln Chamber and the statue, and that's great stuff to see and read the speeches, but that, that back spot is really fun. So, Jen, I just have to say that as a team of
2: former classroom teachers, I know Craig Zach and I appreciate the shout out that you just gave back. Back to your teacher, and I love Mm -hmm. that you stay connected because it's just reinforcing for us to know that relationship, that caring relationship, and uh, what a difference it can make in someone's Mm -hmm. life. So getting back to the goal of this month and what we're uh, remembering I think it's important to provide some context for everyone who is listening and in recognizing the centennial of the Lincoln Memorial we thought we would share a portion of a video from C-SPAN's American President's collection that features the life of Abraham Lincoln in a biographical vignette.
0: He entered adulthood poor and uneducated. Abraham Lincoln was skilled with an axe and knew how to shuck corn, but no one expected much from the farmer's son in tattered jeans and gaping shears. Lincoln surprised everyone however by parlaying brains and away with words into a political career for the ages. He was melancholy by nature, no stranger to nightmares and bouts of depression. But he was also the first humorist to occupy the White House and routinely infused speeches and conversation with jokes and anecdotes. He taught himself law, surveying too, and liked chess, Shakespeare, and the poetry of Robert Burns and Edgar Allan Poe. But Abraham Lincoln's first love was politics. He followed his heart early, running for state office at age 23. He lost, but was elected two years later, going on to serve three terms in the Illinois legislature. People liked his unpretentious manner and appreciated the humor he brought to the stump. Lincoln liked being liked and worked tirelessly to secure a political future. His law partner, William Herndon, once called Lincoln's ambition a little engine that knew no rest. At 37, Lincoln was elected to the House of Representatives. By that time, he'd married a southern belle from Lexington named Mary Todd. He'd met the future Mrs. Lincoln at a party where he said he wanted to dance with her in, quote, the worst way. Afterward, Mary told a friend, he certainly did. Nevertheless, she was impressed. She liked the looks of her tall, dark suitor. The couple wed in 1842 and quickly started a family. They had four sons, Robert, Eddie, who died as a toddler, Willie, and Tad. Lincoln, meanwhile, continued to gain political influence, and by the mid-1850s was regarded as a key player in the newly formed Republican Party. In 1858, he lost a Senate race to Stephen Douglas, but not before reminding spectators that a house divided against itself cannot stand. His eloquent articulation of northern sentiment in a country poised for civil war earned him national recognition, and two years later, the Republicans nominated him to the presidency. He and his running mate Hannibal Hamlin were elected in 1860.
2: So this clip talks about Abraham Lincoln's life and political career, but Jen, can you talk about his presidency and his death?
3: So it's funny, I am often out there um with students, and I will usually begin it's you know as teachers, I'm sure you understand making things interactive, and when you've got this nineteen foot tall statue, it's hard to that you can't touch it makes it hard sometimes to engage with students, and so I will often ask them to tell me what what do you know about President Lincoln and almost every time, no matter how old they are, the first answer you get is he was shot, <laughs> and I always want to say, can we start with?" something about when he was alive before we get to the end of the story. Um, But yeah, I mean, poor Abraham Lincoln, he becomes president at a time that the nation is falling apart and he has to deal with getting it back together and um, watching a nation at war and the stress of that. If you're, um, I think you're going to ask me about symbols, but the symbols on the statue have to do, you know, one of them is the fact that one hand is, is in a fist and one hand is open. And the fist is the, the stress of being a wartime president. And just what a difficult job that is, um, sending, you know, child, you know, mothers, children's sons off to war and things like that, and, and just the, the challenge of that. And then as victory is approaching after four long years of war, it looks like, you know, the things are going to change. He's going to get the country together. He's going to, you know, help to end slavery and create these amendments that are going to change the face of the country. And then, boom, he's he's killed at Ford's Theater, which is also one of your national park sites that you can go visit. And we encourage, um, you know, the, the opportunity to do that. And um, I'm fortunate. I work a lot with the folks at Fort's Theater, and so it's great that we can, you know, offer resources to teachers. They have a great place and great website and opportunities for doing that. So, Jen, you you
1: mentioned um, some of the symbols on the memorial, right, and and the concept of reunion and unity. Can you speak to some of the other symbols that are present, or maybe even just in the, the construction of the memorial, like how we're the um, sculptors? How were the builders? How were the designers intentional in trying to illustrate this concept of unity?
3: Oh, it's everywhere. In fact, you almost don't find... Very much about the idea of emancipation. If you're talking about Lincoln's, you know, biggest qualities that we remember him for in at the memorial, it's reunion and and emancipation. But emancipation is really hard to find at the memorial. Uh, there's one mural. There are two murals above the the famous speeches that are carved: the Gettysburg Address and the Second Inaugural. And one of those murals is about unity, and one of them is about emancipation. But when it comes to reunion, boy, that was the theme they really wanted to, to incorporate into this memorial. So there's um, the names of the states on the on the frieze above, and there were 36 states in the country when Lincoln was president. So there are 36 columns around the outside of the building and um another thing which you know i give so much credit working around all these memorials the ideas that these people come up with when they're designing them but the um the idea was to use rock from different parts of the country to represent literally a a reunited nation they used rock that came from the north and from the south and um you know that was pretty fun um and just as, a, as teachers, I'll tell you this and you can cut it out if you don't like it. But I had last week, I tried to get the six states represented. Um, I tried to get a class from each of the six states to come together on a Zoom and each have them research the different, like the rock that. Their state contributed, and because it was so late in the year, I only got three, but I had Colorado, and they researched Colorado Yule Marble, and I had Indiana doing the limestone, and I had Tennessee doing the marble, and they all got on the Zoom and each shared something about what they learned, and it was just, it was really fun. I mean, so, yes, in-person is wonderful, and I'm so glad we're back, but there are so many cool things you can also do with this, so.
1: I also heard that um, there's four score and seven steps in front and that might have a tie to to history.
3: You know, that's pretty new one to me. I I get people all the time asking me to count the steps and I, you know, I go up and down too many times. And I, <laughs>
2: No, but I appreciate uh, the experience you were just talking about because what we've learned in the last, uh, you know, few years with this whole pandemic and the changes in the way and the shifts, what we're mm-hmm. all learning, just the opportunities that are available to students that if you can't go in person, I love right. that. That's a great story. It's a great
3: lesson Absolutely. idea, actually. And, and and just as an aside, um, I, I worked with the teacher in Indiana a bunch this year. We did a number of virtual programs. And... Um, one of her students came to washington for spring break with his family and so we have a picture of us i was just starting to think about this idea and i have a picture of of the student and i in front of a lim- indiana limestone column that oh. i used in the presentation it was just it was fun. fantastic it was really fun fantastic.
2: so as we've been talking about, this location marks a spot of many important events that have occurred since its inception from the famous speeches such as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s and the connection to the civil rights Mo- movement to historical events, like we mentioned, the 1963 March on Washington, but even to pop culture like movies, Wonder Woman, Forrest Gump, and uh, even comic books. And so, as we've said before in previous episodes, that one of the highlights of producing our podcast is diving into C-SPAN's archive programming in our video library to find unique and interesting moments that we've covered. And one that stood out to us as we were preparing for this episode was the lighting of the Olympic torch in 2001 as the torch relay passed through Washington, D.C. on the way to Salt Lake City. And this was a significant moment for the country as we were dealing with the after effects of September 11th and seeing the torchbearers approach the memorial and ascend the steps and pass the torch to light the flame was a very powerful moment. So uh, let's listen to a clip first of former NBC journalist Tim Russert talking about the significance of this moment, and then we'll get your reaction to it after, Jen.
5: The motto of the modern Olympic Games, Three words. Sidious, Altius, Fortius. Swifter, higher, stronger. As we have witnessed today, every person has the power to demonstrate these principles in their own lives. One does not need to be a speed skater to go swifter, or a ski jumper to go higher, or a hockey player to be stronger. The torchbearers remind us the Olympic spirit is everywhere, every day. All of us can embrace it, and the torch relay through Washington and on the Salt Lake City, as many Americans as possible will see it, embrace it, and share it, and light that fire from within, and transmit it forever, burning brighter in our hearts.
2: So do you want to pick up on you know, any interesting memories from, from that particular event?
3: seeing the clip as i watched it um i'm reminded that one of the people in that clip was one of our former park rangers um his name was gil lyons he's the last one i noticed the other two have glasses on and he doesn't um and he's the last one and um he was a korean war vet he passed away a few years ago but he um he was on the mall when i started there in 1998 and he had been involved um with the group that helped with the Korean War Veterans Memorial. And so he had been kind of, I want to say he had been like volunteering and someone said, you know, you should just get a job here. <laughs> and he eventually um, became a ranger. And and um, yeah, so seeing that video was just like, wow. Kind of uh, kind of miss him. And uh, seeing that brought it all back. And we've, we had some great experiences. I took him on, on some school programs and he talked about his experience. I'll never forget this. He talked about his experiences in Korea and we had a student in the class who was, Originally, his family was from Korea. And at the end of the field trip, he went up to Gil and he said, thank you for fighting for me.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, he was thank like, you for answering that. He was a second
3: grader. It yeah, was amazing. Thank
2: gosh, thank you for answering that question because as we were preparing for this, we wondered who those three people were who were approaching in um, the memorial. So see.
3: I'm pretty sure we have that as a photograph in our exhibit space at the Lincoln. So we can go, go examine and look for that. Maybe get you some more info. <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Why has this location been chosen as focal point for events?
3: That's a great question. Um, I think because of um, what it represents to so many people. I mean, we get visitors from all over the world who come to this space, and I think it has come to now mean a a symbol of freedom for people everywhere. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the most visited of our sites on the Mall, the memorial. It's the most visited. And so people are coming for all different reasons, but I think it has to do with this symbol of I want to see this statue. I want to see the this person who, you know, represents all that is good and that should be good and um, did so much for the country and that this is a spot. And, And it's amazing. I mean, I work with students most of the time and even local students haven't made that trip. I had eighth graders out there today and we asked how many of you have been here before and probably half of 25 hadn't raised their hands. Eighth graders raised in the city. And so to be able to share that experience and and I'll just add this in, though you didn't ask me, um, <laughs> there are a lot of times when... You're, it's a cold day and, I mean, if you asked me my favorite memorial, it probably wouldn't have been Lincoln um, because I have so many memories of the early years where it was cold and or it was hot and I was standing there and my feet hurt and I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep telling people where the bathroom is and, um, you know, I had to find ways to kind of – make myself smile still and and want to do this job and I realized that I could stand on the edge of the steps and as people came up, you could see their face when they saw that statue and you could tell, oh my gosh, this is like the first time they've seen it and their eyes would light up and you'd go, okay, this is why I do this because, you know, we're getting to be here every day and it may not be like a real big deal, oh, I have to go to Lincoln again, but for these people who are coming from all over to see it for the first time is like... Wow, that's kind of neat. And so you have to find, you have to trick yourself sometimes, but, um, you know, like like teachers when you have to teach the same lesson five times in a row. It's um, that aha moment yeah. that teachers yes. look for. So, yeah. yeah, it's that thing it. too, mm-hmm. so,
2: right.
1: Well, and thinking about that concept of it being a focal point and just the reactions that individuals have as they walk up those four score and seven steps, right, I, I for for me, I, I think that – because I know where the plaque is that, that marks where Dr. King gave his speech and where Marian Anderson um, sang for her 1939 concert. But so many people just walk over those, don't realize it's there. Just the amount of history that there have been hundreds, thousands of events that have occurred since its dedication 100 years ago. Um, but specifically, you did mention Marian Anderson's April 1939 concert. So let's listen to a portion of an archival clip that we have from this event in which Secretary of the Interior Harold Ickes introduced Ms. Anderson, and we'll get your reaction right after we're done with this clip.
4: All of us are free. When God gave us this wonderful outdoors and the sun, the moon, and the stars... He made no distinction of race or creed or color. And 130 years ago, he sent to us one of his truly great in order that he might restore freedom to those from whom we had disregardfully taken it. in carrying out this great task, Abraham Lincoln laid down his life, and so it is as appropriate as it is fortunate that today we stand reverently and humbly at the base of this memorial to the great emancipator, where glorious tribute is rendered to his memory by a daughter of the race from which he struck the chains of slavery genius draws no color lines. She has endowed Marian Anderson with such a voice as lifts any individual above his fellows, as is a matter of exultant pride to any race. And so it is fitting that Marian Anderson should raise her voice in tribute to the noble Lincoln whom mankind will ever honor. We are grateful to Miss Marion Anderson for coming here to sing to us today.
1: Jen, can you? Just briefly explain to our listeners why this event was significant and what's important to know about it.
3: Yeah, this is this is a great story. Not that this event had to have happened, but that, if, that it in fact did happen. Um, Marian Anderson was a, a world-renowned singer. She was traveling all over Europe throughout the 1930s. It was getting to be close to World War II. She probably didn't want to be in Europe, so she decides to you know come back to the States. And why not come perform in the nation's capital? So her manager makes some calls in the best building for her to perform. Was Constitution Hall owned by the daughters of the American Revolution? And every time the manager called, he was told, "I'm sorry, it's booked." And it just seemed a little odd <laughs> that it was always busy. And it turned out that they had a policy on the books that said African Americans could not perform there. And so um, there's some there's some amazing you know politicking that goes on. They involve the you know Howard University involved, uh, the DC schools are involved, the DC schools. Still segregated, wouldn't allow her to sing in the best auditorium because it was a white school. Um, And so they start talking about maybe an outdoor concert. Wouldn't that be a great idea? I I think her manager or someone involved on her side said, let's just go have her sing outside of Constitution Hall. And then someone said, well, how about... The Lincoln Memorial. Wouldn't that be a great place? And um, so that's how that all played out. There's a there's a really fascinating angle in that Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady at the time, is a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. And for, um, for teachers who like to use primary sources, this is the one I recommend hands down over any other. It's a three paragraph typed on an old typewriter letter that Eleanor Roosevelt sends to the DAR saying, look, I don't think you're going to miss me much, um, but i've decided that i'm you know no longer can can be a member, and you had a chance to lead and you failed and what's really interesting too is that she has this my day column and in her column before she sends this letter, she debates with herself she says how sometimes when you 're in an organization, do you stay in because you want to fix it from the inside, or do you think it's better to just leave and so she debates this herself a little bit in her newspaper column and finally decides to leave. And so this might be a little, I'm probably going on too long. This might be a little, um, maybe a little, um, I don't know, maybe what's the word, apocryphal, but um, it's just a funny story. So I'll throw it out here. Um, You mentioned Harold Ickes, whose name i just like to say. And so I'll say it again. Uh, Harold Ickes, Secretary of the Interior, the Park Service falls under Department of Interior. So I feel like kind of... You know, neat that he was involved, but he the, the choice, I guess, kind of comes to him. The suggestion of of having this concert at the Lincoln Memorial by by um, 1933, the the National Capital sites fall under the Park Service and Interior. And so he has to ask Franklin Roosevelt if this is OK. <laughs> And um, Franklin Roosevelt, of course, is, you know, very uh, appreciates Marian Anderson's talent she had been invited and performed at the White House before. But he doesn't like that Eleanor's getting caught up in this mess because now she's quit. And really what makes it a news story again, it was kind of fading away. But Eleanor's resignation now makes it a thing again. And so (laughs) FDR wants it to go away. He doesn't want to deal with Southerners in Congress who might want to, you know, not want to get involved in the race issue. And so Harold Ickes goes to him and says, hey, do you care if we have this concert? Can Marian Anderson sing at the Lincoln Memorial? FDR is in a big hurry to go somewhere on his way out. And he goes, I don't care if she wants to sing there or if she wants to sing at the top of the Washington Monument. <laughs> I just I just love that I think FDR like being in a in a hurry and and telling Harold Ickes that she can sing wherever she wants just is a funny story so I hope that's true I have a just just a
1: quick follow-up to, that I learned at that the, the lecture I attended um, this last weekend that. I think uh, Constitution Hall has a capacity somewhere around one to two thousand, but there were seventy-five thousand people showed up for for this concert. That, That's amazing. Uh, only lasted, I think, thirty minutes. I, I think she, the, I heard she sang six songs. Yep. But just a very noteworthy event in in that time, uh, which leads us to our next question.
2: So the National Park Service states on their website that events celebrating the 100th anniversary will focus on the, quote, meaning and memory of the memorial. Now, has there been a change in meaning over time, you think, Jen?
3: Yes. And in fact, I was going to follow up the Marian Anderson story because there's some great connections that I use a lot. Uh, specifically with students, because I think it's relatable to to, to young people. Um, So this concert is 1939. When you see pictures of of Marian Anderson singing, there are microphones in front of her. And so we know it was broadcast, as you said, all those people, many more people heard it than would have ever heard it if she had been in a concert hall. But people heard it broadcast, and you can find her on YouTube, and you can listen to it, and you can, as you all heard, Harold Icke's introduction, But we are pretty sure that a youngster down in Atlanta was also listening to that concert who would have been about 10. And in 1944, there's an essay written by this youngster where he talks about, where he writes about Miss Marion's concert. And just as you said, this kind of change, um, change had occurred, but not quite enough, writes about how Miss Marion's concert was this amazing thing. Like she got to perform on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1939. What an event. But that night, As an African-American woman, she could not stay in a hotel room in Washington, D.C. And so that youngster at 14 um, in Atlanta wins this contest, an essay contest that he um, and his teacher then went to present his essay at another school. They had to take the bus. They were sitting in the front of the bus and they were asked to move to the back of the bus. And so, you know, that very well-known story of um, African-Americans in the South during a time of segregation But what's really fascinating, of course, is that that youngster will grow up to stand in the very same spot on that step, as that's an essay written by a young Dr. Martin Luther King in 1944. And so if you listen to his I Have a Dream speech, near the end, he starts quoting, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. What's the very first song Miss Marion sang at that concert was... My country tis of thee. And so there are all these really neat connections between a young Dr. King and the Marian Anderson concert. And so my personal big question has always been, um, did they meet and did they know each other? And I, I can't actually say that I see it for sure that I've seen it. But Marian Anderson was at the March on Washington, and I can't imagine that they didn't cross paths somewhere. Um, the funny story is that she was supposed to sing the National Anthem. She's on the program to sing the National Anthem. She couldn't get through the crowd at the march in 1963. There were so many people that she ends up singing a song later on. So there's so many great connections that I hope you know teachers can... Find through some of these stories and and call out your national parks sites to help you find them and um we really like to promote the power of place and the idea that these two great people had this connection and it all happened on these steps so yes when it comes to the whole idea of meaning uh, I think the the it's we started with reunion that was definitely the theme of the builders and what the what the Um, you know, the people building it, the the people at the dedication clearly were talking about reunion, didn't want to talk about emancipation at all. But by having these events, by having Marian Anderson's concert, by having the March on Washington for jobs and freedom, now we're talking freedom. We're seeing this as the symbol of the great emancipator, if we call him that. Um, And that is, you know, that's the change, the evolution of reunion to freedom. I, I mean, I can't imagine people are coming from around the world to go to the Lincoln Memorial because it's symbols, you know, it's a symbol of unity. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But it seems to me that most people are coming because it represents freedom. And that was not what it was intended for. So
1: while the meaning of the memorial has changed over time or ebbed and flowed or is subject to to different interpretation, the memorial itself hasn't changed, right? So the, the marble is the same. It, it gets cleaned every so often, right? We hope. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the building itself is the same. It's the same uh, statue, even though it wasn't the, the planned statue. From, from what I found out, it was supposed to be a, a bronze statue that I mm-hmm. it was much shorter. Um, but anyway, so the, the building itself is the same, right, including the quote that is above um, President Lincoln's head, which, which reads, in this temple, as in the hearts of the people, for whom he saved the Union, the memory of Abraham Lincoln is enshrined forever. So, with that quote read, Pam, did, you had a question. Yeah,
2: I was wondering, um, does the meaning of the inscription above his head still apply today? You think?
3: I think it's a great question. It's a question that we really wanted to, to to pose to to students to think about. It's interesting in reading about the gentleman who wrote it. I don't know how to exactly pronounce his name, but his name was Royal. I think it's Cortizo. Um, He was an art critic, and he flat out said that he didn't want to stir the pot with this quote. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, (laughs) but his quote was something like, um, you know, if we mention unity, we keep everybody happy. If we mention slavery, then we sort of aggravate the South. And so it was just like, let's keep this this quote kind of general and, and focus on unity um, more so than other things that we could address. I've heard. I, I I've been doing a lot of talks about Lincoln, as we all have lately. And um, someone I talked to recently said, "You know, you could see it as you know, unity and unity encompassing this idea of freedom. That it's all it's all implied. <laughs> and maybe some people see it that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it does sort of." I mean, you know, I think it would be great to ask young people today, what do you think? Do you think? I mean, it's a hundred years ago. Do we think this still holds? And if not, you know, how would you rewrite it? I feel like that would be a great um a great exercise for for students to to absolutely. try It's a great classroom prompt, yeah,
1: absolutely. And related to that um, idea of presenting that as a prompt, and um, you also mentioned earlier in the episode the letter from Eleanor Roosevelt. You mentioned your, your work with Oratory just this morning, mm-hmm. um, mentioned the, the quote itself. but uh, And then you also mentioned watching Marian Anderson's concert maybe on, on C-SPAN in our archives. Um, but do you have any other just generic, maybe general suggestions, ideas, resources for taking the significance, the meaning of the Lincoln Memorial and bringing it to middle and high school classrooms?
3: So we have really been trying to um, add to our website because we know that there's, you know, that that's a great resource for could be a great resource for for teachers around the country. Um, and we have started by by focusing on some primary source documents that we um, have been. My colleague more than me um, has done a lot of research on the dedication and the different aspects of it. I mean, the fact that. We're talking about unity and we're a segregated audience that the dedication is just like, how do we kick this off? Um, she is she found in and it's been in some other sources I've read, but there's a uh, some great newspaper articles that that refer to the memorial as not even being officially dedicated because of the way it opened with that segregated audience and people being forced to sit in separate sections and all of that. Um so yes, we have been trying to get some uh, lesson ideas and things up on our website. Um, we've also, in the in you know, in the wake of the pandemic, we've been doing a lot of, of virtual programs. And so, even if you're not able to bring your kids to Washington, we are a, a resource now where we can, you know, zoom into your class. And I know it's not the same as being there, but we're happy to try and share some of these ideas and 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 tell some stories and show great pictures i mean the lincoln statue is made of 28 pieces of marble and there's a great picture of the statue being put together without his head, and so I love showing that picture because it's just fantastic to see the statue unfinished. Um, but yeah, there's, 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 um, we're working on it. So check back um, our website and uh, nps.gov/link slash for Lincoln L-I-N-C. And um, yeah, we're happy to we're happy to help if if you're looking for sources and you can't find them, by all means, we have a, a link to the contact us and there's an education link and you can reach out and it comes right to me and I'm happy to help wherever we can
2: okay hey, so one of the things that i really value about you know working here at c-span and but our location right being um on the hill and being so close to the mall is i love walking around the mall and around the monuments and walking down i've been doing that frequently uh walking down to the lincoln memorial and loving the um all the work that is going into all the celebrations that are happening this month and seeing how that evolves us absorbing the symbols and the meanings and reflection um but what events is the national park service hosting for this
3: year's event we have special ranger programs happening throughout the month um the calendar is all online at the the nps.gov slash link there's a, a, a logo that was developed for this anniversary with the big 100 in like the columns and you just click on that and it'll bring you up to the calendar and you'll be able to see throughout the month of may um we have a what we're calling a pop-up experience there's a green tent with a big arrowhead on it down in front of the lincoln memorial and you can go down there's a a special junior ranger activity that's just for the month of may at lincoln and you can earn a special lincoln um commemorative badge so yeah there's a number of things we'd like to thank you once again for tuning into the c-span in the classroom
1: podcast. As your school year comes to a rapid close and you make plans for enrichment activities for your students or summer travels for you and your family, or, of course, the planning for next school year, we hope that this episode and the related instructional resources that we shared and our discussion with Ranger Jen will prove useful for you and your students. As a reminder, you can view all of the video resources and National Park Service resources that we shared and discussed today on our podcast page at c-span.org slash classroom.
2: And as we close out here, we just want to give a big thank you to you for joining us, Jen, and for sharing all of your knowledge and experience and resources with our listeners. And we want to encourage everybody to check out our program from our coverage of the Lincoln Memorial Centennial that features Abraham Lincoln scholar Harold Holzer talking about the 16th president, the memorial's creation and construction from 1914 to 1922, and the democratic ideals that the memorial has come to represent. We'll post a link to that on our website as well. If you'd like to connect with our team, please email us anytime at educate at c-span.org. And that's it for this week. Join us next time for the last episode of our C-SPAN in the Classroom podcast for this school year. We'll be recognizing LGBTQ Pride Month, so tune in to learn about resources you can use with your students. See you next time.